inhabit the praises of Your people. Thank You for being here. Thank You for being God. Thank You for speaking. Thank You for touching, strengthening, filling, healing, helping today. We sang it earlier, Lord. We want to see Your glory. We want to see You clearly today because the Bible says when we see You, we will be like You and we want to be like You. So thank You for revealing more of Jesus Christ to us today in this 9 o'clock worship experience and through Your Word. In the beautiful name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning. Thank you, Warren. Worship team, don't you appreciate being able to come and just really experience the presence of God in a, a powerful, life-giving worship experience? Don't you appreciate that this morning? I do too. I do too. Well, it's great to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. We've got a team uh, that is traveling to the East Coast, Long Island, and uh, they are going to be helping continue to put together the damage that was inflicted by the hurricane out there. And uh, I appreciate that North Point is a global church. We're, we're global and we're local. And we reach out and we touch this community. We reach out nationally and we, we uh, extend the hands of Jesus and minister to others that are in need. And we go overseas as well. Speaking of that, there's a missions meeting coming up. And you want to pay attention to the details in your bulletin if you want to be part of that upcoming trip. Well, we're going to worship God with our giving. And I need a volunteer and uh, I, I see these three fellows down here, Brandon, Caden, and Brock. And uh, now, Br Brock, are you the youngest? Which one? Uh, is it Caden? Come on up here. I need your help. Okay. Real quick. And uh, money's involved, so this this is going to get exciting really quick. Okay. All right. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've got ten. I've got ten bucks here. Okay. And uh, did you have these ten dollars before you came to church this morning? No? I'm going to give these $10 to you. Okay? You're welcome. Now, if I asked, did you, ha you didn't have 10 bucks before you walked in? Now you got 10 bucks. How, how, you, fe how you feeling right now? You feel, you're feeling good. Okay. Yeah, I would be too. Now let me, let me ask you something. Could I have one of those back? Now you were, you were very quick about giving me one of those back. What, was it hard for you to give one of those back? It wasn't hard. Why was it not hard for you to give one of those ten back? Because I gave you all ten. That's exactly right. And that's what's going on right now as the buckets pass. It's that simple. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to keep this one as a tithe, and I'm going to put it in the bucket when it goes by in the next service. How's that sound? Actually, you know what? I'm going to let you do that. I'm going I'm to give you all ten, and then you put God first with one, and then, and then you do whatever you want and whatever your parents authorize you to do with the other nine. All right? God bless you. All right. Thank you for helping this morning. Because that, that's really what we're doing when we give. Everything we have is from God. And, and it was so easy for Him to receive that $10. And man, He put another one back in my hand just that. Why? Because all 10 came from me anyway. That's what giving is all about. We, we don't own any of it. And God says, I'm giving you, actually, I'm giving you more than what you need. And I want you to put me first. In, God wants to be first in every area of our life. So thank you for putting Him first 
in your life financially. And uh, thank you, Caden, for helping me illustrate that this morning. Hey, we uh, have a couple of equipped groups that are off to a great start. The ladies had a great night uh, last Tuesday. Daniel Plan, over 40 ladies came together. It's not too late if you want to be part of that. They're really enjoying doing life together, learning together, growing together. They start as a group. There's some DVD teaching. They break into small groups. And the guys had a fantastic meeting Thursday morning. About 10 or 12 guys, not too late. Uh, the great adventure. So guys, 6.30 Thursday morning. Ladies, 6.30 Tuesday evening. Uh, we would love to have you be part of those equipped groups. And I'm excited next week. Uh, we're, we're, of course, on this series of uncluttering our lives. Today we're talking about uncluttering relationships. And next week our very own Chris Carter is going to be talking about uncluttering the family. And so we're, we're in a great series. Let's take just a minute and just review where we've been because uh, we have a lot to cover. I want to introduce you to Mr. Clutter here. And, uh, and, and I also want you to notice that uh, we've, we've got this object lesson of, of clutter up here. And you, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you notice that things are starting to improve at least on one half of the room. And that is indicative of our lives, that we, we ought to be improving. We're talking about uncluttering our lives. We're talking about having focus and living intentionally in 2014 so that by the end of this year, we're going to blink and it's going to be over, that we've really invested our lives in things that matter for eternity. Can somebody say amen? Okay, so uh, real quickly, where we've been uh, the last couple of weeks, we talked about the cause, the cost, and the cure of clutter. And just going to touch on that briefly. We said that the cause of clutter essentially is sin. We're going to talk more about that today. The cost of clutter is lost peace and lost potential. We heard a couple of great testimonies last week along that line. And then the cure for clutter, we said, are the right priorities, the right positioning, and the right plan. And so we've got the priorities that we talked about last week. God's glory, God's image, God's family, God's service, and God's mission or God's commission. These are heavenly priorities and they should be priorities in our lives. And so we're going to continue on this theme of uncluttering our lives and uncluttering our relationships because I think you'll agree with me, one of the easiest ways for life to get cluttered is in the area of relationships. It's amazing how complicated and complex life can get in terms of people and relationships. And just to kind of set the stage, we're going to see this quick little video about how relationships can get cluttered very quickly. Take a look at the big screen. Okay, 
relationships can get very, our lives can get very cluttered as a result of relationships and people and, and, and things that happen to us in our lives. And, and Mr. Clutter is going to help us this morning because he is going to represent to us today how our lives can become very cluttered as a result of relationships, as a result of people, as a result of parents, as a result of spouse, as a result of children, as a result of co-workers, as a result of neighbors. Sometimes people we don't even know. Uh, my wife shared with me in the news that uh, she saw in the news that uh, there was a, a retired police officer that got upset because another couple was texting in the movie theater before the movie started and an altercation broke out and the guy pulled out a gun and shot the other man dead in the movie theater over texting before the... We live in a, in a world gone crazy. And the hurts and the rejection and the pain that can come as a result of relationships. Uh, if you've ever been lied to, if you've ever been lied about or gossiped about or... or You've, you've been in the office and there's, there's backbiting and people talking about things and, 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 and putting things out of context and not really being truthful. And uh, if you've ever been hurt and somebody's really, really done you wrong and you've harbored unforgiveness, it, 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 it com these things make life so much more complex. Jealousy of other people and and what they have and and how they're living sometimes we we are we feel very alone even though we're in the midst of a crowd and like somebody's done us wrong so uh, we're we're thinking about how we should treat them in light of what they've done to us and if we're not careful if we're not careful we can become bitter over hurts and lies and jealousy and rejection and the things that that, that happen in life. You know, the saying is that life happens. And a lot of times when life happens, life hurts. And relationally, life can get very cluttered. If you've been reading in the one-year Bible, reading along with us in that one-year Bible reading plan, it's amazing the relational clutter that we've been reading about with Isaac and with Jacob and with Laban and now with Joseph and his brothers that hate him and he's sold and Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife and the, the, the insanity that the men and women in Scripture are dealing with as a result of relational clutter is amazing. And I could tell some stories. I want to tell a couple of stories. I could tell a lot of stories, but for the sake of time, I did a funeral one time a gal that I knew for many, many, many years. I knew the family, and this woman uh, had been abandoned by her husband, left to raise five kids. It's a story of struggle and, and survival. And this woman just was a, a, a woman that loved the Lord and wanted to raise godly kids and struggled to do it. And she passed away. Her name, well, I won't give her name, but uh, her, I'm going to call her name Mary. Mary passed away. And one of the sons went over to the house to just check on the house and make sure it was locked. And when he came to the house, he found his nieces, the woman's granddaughters, were in the house with another man and they were plundering the house. They were stealing everything that they could get their hands on out of the house. So the son called the police because the, the situation escalated. So when the police came, the, the, the granddaughters told the police 
that the son, their, their uncle, had pulled a knife on them. Long story short, the son could not come to the funeral that I conducted because there was a PPO on him as a... Oh, life can get complicated relationally, can it? Wow. Let me tell you a little bit about Leo and Chris. They met one another. He was handsome. She was beautiful. They fell in love and they were married. They started having children. They had a beautiful family. They had what, what Chris describes as a 10-year honeymoon. They were deeply in love. And they were enjoying life together. They had a young family. Everything was going great. Leo was very successful. Became very wealthy. They were living a wonderful life together. Success, wealth, country club lifestyle, exotic vacations, they had it all. Well, he started to get bored. I don't know why. Life was just, too, maybe it was too easy. I don't know. But he told me years ago what, what happened. He just started getting bored. And one day he thought, you know, I'm, I'm a grown man. I've never, I've never looked at any pornography. I don't, I don't know what this is all about. So he started looking at pornography. He started getting dissatisfied in his marriage. And the next thing you know, one thing leads to another, and he finds himself in an adulterous relationship. And this marriage that was ten years of honeymoon is derailed. And now there's shame, and there's heartache, and there's brokenness, and there's rejection, and there's hurt, and there's all kinds of relational clutter in Lee, Leo, and, and Chris's life. And, and uh, it disrupts the home, and... These two people, although they were religious and they were regularly attending church, they had no relationship with God and their lives were coming apart. Two people living in the same house, yet they were galaxies apart. Relationships have the potential to create more clutter and burden and difficulty, I think, than just about any other area of life. And so we want to talk for a few minutes this morning about uncluttering relationships. And we're going to go to the, to the lips of Jesus. We're going to go to the words of Jesus. Jesus is, is the master at uncluttering life. He's the master at simplifying. And we're going to look at His words in a couple of openings. First of all, let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. And uh, Jackie, I'm skipping ahead a little bit in my PowerPoint. I'll come back to uh, Luke chapter 10. But the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, you're familiar with these words. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39. A religious leader comes to Jesus and he asks this question. Jesus, what, what is the most important commandment? How many of you remember what Jesus said? He said very simply, there's two commandments that you can boil all the commandments down to. Jesus eliminates the clutter. He simplifies. And we read in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 39, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you would leave that up just for a moment. And I highlighted in red 
two amazing words from the lips of Jesus. I don't think there's anybody in here that would, would question the first half of Jesus' answer. The most important commandment is love God. Love, love Him with all of our heart, with all of our being, with all of our soul, might, mind, and strength. You know, that, that one's obvious. But Jesus, now when we read this, oftentimes, if you're, if you're like me, we read this and we think, well, Jesus gives the most important, and then He gives the second one, which, you know, the first one is, is of ultimate importance, and the second one is important, but it's, it's second. God is most important, people, you know, God here, people here. But Jesus, that's not what He says. He says loving God is important, and loving your neighbor is equally important. And I think about the cross. You know, part of the cross is vertical, and part of the cross is horizontal. And Jesus really brings these two together when He says, number one, we're to love God, and number two, we are to love our neighbor. And so we're going to break that down, and we're going to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. Let's go back and look at Martha and Mary. We've been, we've been comparing and contrasting these two. They've been the, the launching pad for our series on uncluttering our life. And we read about them in Luke chapter 10, and you remember the story. I won't take time to read it again, but uh, the disciples and Jesus come to Martha's house. Mary's there, Lazarus is there. You remember the story, Martha's busy, she's upset. Jesus, tell my sister, don't you care? Tell her to help me. And Jesus sets her straight and says, Martha, you're worried about a lot of stuff, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen it, and it's not going to be taken away. So let's look at Martha and Mary and, and do a little more comparison between them in the context of relationship. In the context of relationship. What do I mean by that? Jack, if you'd put that screen up. Martha and Mary. Martha, we've said, represents too many of us. Mary represents too few of us. We want to become more like Mary. And in the context of relationship, we see this. Martha is busy with things. Mary is busy with people. That's important. Projects are important. But people are more important. And so, what, what a glaring contrast between these two women in the context of relationship. Martha is surface in her relationships. She's busy. We said earlier that she's, she's irritated, she's blaming, she's telling people and she's telling God what to do. She's surface in her relationships. Mary is significant in relationship to Jesus Christ. Relationship is a priority with Mary. Martha seems to be thin. Mary seems to run deep. Martha is strained in her relationships. Every one of the relationships that she's got going on in that house. Relationship with her sister, relationship with her brother, relationship with Jesus. It's, it's all strained. And she's stressed out. Mary, on the other hand, is stable. She's secure. She's steady. What a difference between these two women. Martha has many relationships. Mary has one relationship. Now, she has many relationships too. But in that moment, that freeze frame, we see that 
Her relationship with Jesus is critical and vital. And lastly, I, I put it this way. Martha's on a treadmill. Mary is transformed. Why do I say Martha's on a treadmill? Because we looked last week that Mary was listening to the words of Jesus. And then in John chapter 12, we read about her breaking this expensive bottle of perfume and anointing Jesus for burial. How did she know that he was going to die? Because she was listening to him. And in that same context, it tells us that Jesus was again at Martha's house and she was again serving. But Mary was doing something significant. She was, she was loving Jesus lavishly and she was preparing Him for His burial. So can you see in these two women, we see Martha just repeating some of the same things. Jesus had been to her house, but not a lot had changed. She was still busy serving, doing the same thing in Luke chapter 10 as she is, excuse me, in, in John chapter 12 as she is in Luke chapter 10. So Martha's on this treadmill. And some of us are here this morning, and we're on a treadmill when it comes to life, when it comes to relationships. We're just, we're just not getting it. We're, we're not going deeper in our relationships. Many of our relationships are dysfunctional and, and we're, we're not understanding why they're broken and why we meet new people but some of the same things and some of the same hurts and some of the emotional and relational clutter keeps happening. Well, we, we see that Martha's on a treadmill while Mary is transformed. Martha, again, the person we tend to be. Mary, the person we really want to be. And so let's just pause and ask God to help us again to become more like Mary. Jesus, we just pause today. We can't do anything without you. We are broken without you, Jesus. And Lord, today we ask your help. Lord, as we look into the Scripture and we look at three simple biblical directives to unclutter relationships, Thank you for speaking to us today, and thank you for helping us in the beautiful name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Reclaiming simplicity, sanity, and significance in our relationships. Let's talk about it for a few minutes. <clears throat> I want to talk about getting vertical, getting horizontal, and getting uncluttered. First of all, getting vertical. Based on the words of Jesus, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Love God. So let's get vertical for a minute this morning. Let's talk about our relationship, our vertical relationship with God. Jesus said it's most important. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now that's easy, isn't it? We just, yeah, well that's obvious. We, we all do that. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, Slow down just a minute. What, what does that really mean? And am I walking in that kind of love toward God? Loving God with all of my heart. With all of my mind. Do, 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 do my motivations, do my drive and my passion in life, are they first and foremost toward Jesus Christ? Or are they toward something else? Are they toward my school? Are they toward a relationship? Are they toward money or some other idol in my life? First of all, loving God with all of our heart. 
with all of our mind? Do we love God with our mind? Are we giving our minds to the things of God? Do we give our mind to the study of God's Word and to the meditation of God's Word and considering God's Word in every area, in every decision of life, in every compartment of life? Loving God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. Our our, our thinker, our feeler, and our decider, our soul. And all of our physical strength. Does God get the best of our physical strength or does He get the leftovers? First of all, loving God. That's first and foremost. This, this is the key, the indispensable key to uncluttering our horizontal relationships is uncluttering our vertical relationship. And first and foremost, what stands between A sinner like me and a holy God is my sin. That clutters our relationship. That cuts us off. That puts me in a place, the Bible says, where I'm at enmity with God. That I'm an enemy of God. That the wrath of God is on me because of my sin. And so when we talk about uncluttering relationships, we have to talk first and foremost about uncluttering our relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And thank God that that Jesus came and lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death. The beautiful, simple gospel. So that Jesus, having paid the price for me, I can accept what He's done as a free gift, paying the penalty of my sin, removing what is between God and I, so that I can come into vital union and relationship with God. You see, I lived for a number of years. I was religious, but I didn't have relationship with God. I went to church. I was baptized at a very early age. I, I, I participated in sacraments. I did many things that were religious, but I was not born again. I, I didn't have relationship with God. I hadn't come to a place of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the day that I did that as a young man, I uncluttered my relationship. And I came into vital union. The the Bible describes it this way. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That God actually comes and takes up residence on the inside of us. Lives on the inside of us by His Holy Spirit. Transforms us on the inside. That's how we unclutter our relationship with God. is through faith in Jesus Christ. So that is first, that is foremost and if we don't have this right, the, hor- if the horizontal is never going to be right. You know why? Because everything in our horizontal relationships is supposed to flow out of our vertical relationship. And when that vertical is right, wow, do things, things get simple horizontally. What am I talking about? The Bible says this in 1 John 4.19. Just a few simple words that are so powerful. It says, we love Him because He first, what? Loved us. Our lives will be transformed. We're empowered and enabled to love Him when we really begin to comprehend His love for us. Our love for Him is a response to His love. So when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, 
We can't do that until we comprehend the love that He's shown us. And the more that that comprehension of God's love moves from here to here, the more we're going to be radically healed and transformed and able to love others. So our vertical relationship of incredible significance and importance. We love God as a response to His love for us. Healthy vertical relationships are, uh, excuse me, healthy horizontal relationships. Let me say it again. Healthy vertical, are you confused yet? You know what I meant. Healthy vertical is a prerequisite to healthy horizontal. That's what I'm trying to say. And Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. You, you, you can't give away what you don't have. And so that really leads us to the second half of this dual command. Love God first, and of equal importance is loving your neighbor. So first we got vertical. Now, now let's, let's talk horizontal for a few minutes. Get horizontal. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor just as you love yourself. Now here's the key. A lot of us, a lot of us are broken. A lot of us didn't learn, we didn't learn how to love properly. Love was not modeled for us. Many of us, probably most of us, grew up in homes that were somewhat dysfunctional. And so it's difficult to love others because you and I haven't really learned how to love. We haven't fully experienced the love of God and understand it to be able to give it. So let's talk about this for a few minutes and get horizontal. The Bible says we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. In, in Ephesians 5, talking about husbands and wives, it says the husband is to love the wife and sacrifice for the, life, for the wife as Christ Love the church. The husband's to love just as Christ. We are to love our neighbor just as we love ourselves. Now let me put that in context. The husband loving the wife just as Christ loved the church. If I said go out, maybe you're a golfer, maybe you're not. Probably just about everybody here has picked up a golf club and swung at a golf ball at some point. Probably everybody in this room could do that. You could we, Now, it would be difficult to do outdoors. We'd have to do it indoors. But if I, if I got a bucket of balls and a golf club, everybody, pretty much everybody here could hit some balls. But if, now, if I said go out and, and hit golf balls, that's one thing. But if I said go out and play golf just as Tiger Woods, hmm, that's, that's, that's a different game. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying we need to love others just as, as professionally and proficiently as we love ourselves. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ. See, that's the difference from hitting golf balls to playing like Tiger Woods. That, that, that's two different things. And you say, I can't, I can't play like Tiger Woods. I can't either. I would need serious, you know what, even with the best coaching in the world, I could dramatically improve, but I'm never going to probably play like Tiger Woods. So when, we, when Jesus talks about loving our neighbor as ourself, here's the reality. 
You can only give love to the degree that you've received love. You can't give away what you don't possess. Remember what Peter said to the lame man in Acts chapter 3 that was begging? Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. He didn't have any money to give him, but he he had the power of God. He could give away what he possessed. You and I can't give away what we don't first possess. That's why I come back to our vertical relationship. The more we understand about the love of God, the more we are empowered and enabled to show and display that love of God toward other people. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. And I've just got portions of this for you on the big screen. But this is... First John, John was the, the apostle of love, and, and First John is a, a powerful epistle. Uh, love is the subject. That, let me just read a little bit out of this. And this is, this is out of the Message Bible. So it's worded a little bit different. But here's what I want you to get. Verse 16, talking about God's love. John writes, speaking of God's love, we know it so well, we've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. We know it so well, John said. That's the key. We've got to come to know the love of God well. We have to be familiar with it. We have to understand it. And the more we do, the more it transforms us. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. Powerful passage on comprehending the love of God. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, he prays a prayer for the Ephesians believers, he, uh, for the believers at Ephesus. He prays that they'll be granted according to the riches of God's glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man so Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. And listen to what he says, that you being rooted and grounded in love might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Paul prays for the believers at Ephesus that they'll have a revelation and a comprehension of the love of God. Why? Because when they do, they'll be filled up to all the fullness of God. It will, it's life transforming. The more we comprehend of this love, the more we come to know it, the more empowered we are to give it. And my prayer for us this morning is that by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would continue to have a revelation of and an experience of the love of God. Because the more we experience, the more we can give it away the more accurately we can love like Jesus. The fact is, I can't love like Him unless I really comprehend His kind of love. I can only give the amount of love that I've received. I can only give the amount of grace and the quality of grace to another person to the degree that I've received it. This is so important. Many of us have only received a partial grace from God. I was talking to a young man last week and, and he, is, he has struggled for, for decades in his relationship with God. He has floundered and he has failed. And he, he said to me, I've, I've, just, I've never come to the place where I've fully yielded my life to Jesus Christ. 
And he made this statement to me, and I, I thought it was very powerful. He recently really, really came to genuine faith in Christ. His, his life is changing. It's, it's, it's amazing the grace of God that's operating in his life. He made this statement. He said, I'm writing down all in a, in a journal. He said, I'm writing down all of the ways that I've sinned and that I've disappointed God and that I've disappointed myself. He said, there's so many things that I'm ashamed of. And I'm asking God to bring me to the place where I can forgive myself. Now that's, an, that's a powerful statement. He, under, he understands that Jesus died for his sins. He understands that he's broken and sinful. But what he was expressing to me was sincerity and honesty, saying, I know, I know in my head God's forgiven me, but in my heart I haven't fully come to that realization. And I have not come to the place where I've, I'm willing to forgive myself. Are you listening this morning? And some of us that are here this morning can identify with that. We can't give what we haven't fully received. Some of us are, are, are not deeply loving because we don't understand how deeply we're loved. Some of us are ungracious toward other people we struggle in this area of our life because we haven't fully received and believed the grace that has come to us from God. We don't have a full comprehension of it. Mercy, the same thing. You can only extend mercy to the degree that you've experienced it and received it. And some in this room, some of us struggle in this area because we, we, we haven't fully comprehend. We don't fully comprehend the amount of mercy we've received. Jesus told a parable. I'm sorry, this wasn't a parable. This, he told a parable. In Luke chapter 7, he was at dinner with a Pharisee, and a prostitute came in and was weeping, and, and, and her tears were on the feet of Jesus, and she was wiping his feet with her hair. And this Pharisee was like, man, if this was a holy man of God, he'd know what kind of woman this is. And so Jesus tells this parable. He says to the, to the Pharisee, he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. He says, a money lender, this is verse 41 of Luke chapter 7. A money lender had two debtors, one who owned 500 denarii, the other 50. When they were unable to pay, the, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And what was the obvious answer? Well, the, the one that he forgave the most. And Jesus said, that's exactly right. And then he went on to say, turning toward the woman, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins which are many have been forgiven, for she loved much. Are you listening this morning? He who is forgiven little, loves little. I want you to listen to me carefully this morning. This makes sense to us. This prostitute, this woman that was forgiven much, she loved much. I used to, now I was raised in the church. And I used to think this. I used to think, you know what, I can understand her loving much because she's been forgiven much. But I've never lived a life of degradation like that. She's a worse sinner than me. 
So I can understand her loving. And maybe that's why I'm struggling to love God because I, I haven't been forgiven. This is how I would think in my unrenewed mind. And just this week, my son and I were, were watching some, some video on YouTube, Penn and Teller, Amazing Illusionists. And I saw a little, another YouTube thing about uh, Penn and Teller and, and, and about the Bible. So I thought, wow, that, that's interesting. I wonder what they've got to say. And I clicked on it and started to watch it for a few minutes. And it was, it was blasphemous. It was, it, it was full of mocker, mocking Scripture and mocking anybody that was dumb enough to read the Bible and actually believe it. It was horrible. And I was appalled at what I saw, and I turned it off. And I thought to myself, that is so disgusting. That is so blasphemous. And the Holy Spirit stopped me. And he said, John, that man doesn't know Christ. He's... He's, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's blind. And, and all of a sudden, I, I felt compassion for this man. And I began to pray for him. I began to pray that the Holy Spirit would send light into his darkness. And as I was praying for him, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this. He said, John, is your sin any worse or, le- or, or better than his You know, my sin is just as repulsive. My life outside of Christ is just as blasphemous. When I was trying to earn my way to God through religion, I was just as blasphemous. And I realized, God, you have shown me such mercy. Thank you for being merciful to me. And it, you know what it did? It flooded my heart with mercy toward this man. And I began to pray that God would have mercy on him. That's what I'm talking about this morning. We love much when we realize how much we have been forgiven. We extend grace because we realize how much grace has been extended to us. We, we quickly and gladly show mercy because of how much mercy has been extended to us. Are you listening this morning? There's a a saying that we've all heard, hate the sin and love the sinner. I'm going to wrap this up here in just a few minutes. Let me skip to the C.S. Lewis quote on this. You see, it's most of us struggle, frankly, to hate the sin but love the sinner. We We don't struggle to hate sin, but sometimes we struggle to love the sinner because we're so, the ugliness of the sin is a stumbling block. And C.S. Lewis wrote this, and I want to share this quote with you because it's powerful and it'll help us in this area of extending to others what we've received. C.S. Lewis confessed that he too struggled with how to truly love the sinner while hating the sin. One day it suddenly became clear, he writes, It occurred to me that there was one man to whom I had been doing this all of my life, namely myself. However much I might dislike my own cowardice or conceit or greed, I went on loving myself. There had never been the slightest difficulty about it. In fact, the very reason why I hated the things was that I loved the man. Just because I loved myself, I was sorry to find that I was the sort of man who did those things. 
We know how to love the sinner and hate the sin. Because we extend mercy to ourselves all the time. Are you listening? And what the, what the gospel, what Christ is calling us to do is extend that to other people. Why am I talking about that when I talk about uncluttering relationships? Because it's the way to unclutter relationships. Extending love. Extending grace. Extending mercy to others is the way to unclutter relationships. Get vertical, get horizontal, and get uncluttered. How do we do that? Let me give you four points. I'll put my notes on the website. A lot of additional material. I have some extra references there. You can go there to the media page and you can get it in the next couple of days. But let me give this to you quickly and then we'll close. How do you get uncluttered? Number one, you stop the sin. You stop the sin. Stop mistreating people. Stop hurting people. Start walking in love toward other people, number one. Number two, clean the closets. For, be quick to forgive. Every one of us in this room has been hurt. Every one of us in this room has a reason to hold on to some hurt. And the Bible exhorts us to let it go. Freely we receive, freely give. We've been forgiven much. Let's forgive others and release them. Number three, quarantine toxic relationships. There are certain people and there are certain relationships that are toxic in our life. And we've got to create boundaries. We read about Laban and Jacob. That was a toxic relationship. And Laban had to get away. He had to get out of that relationship. And they, they entered into a covenant and set boundaries that they wouldn't cross. I wish I had more time to talk about it. Stop the sin, clean the closets, quarantine toxic relationships, and begin to fertilize vital relationships. How do we do that? This is a simple study for you. Go, go on your computer and do a Bible search for the word, the New Testament words, just as. Or, or, or rather, do a study of one another. There's, there's many biblical exhortations about how we're to, to treat one another and love one another. We're to prefer one another, live in harmony with one another, accept one another, serve one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, not to slander one another, clothe ourselves with humility toward one another, pray for one another, not grumble against one another, speak the truth to one another, and on and on. The Scripture exhorts us. These are, these are practical ways that we unclutter our relationships. As Warren and the worship team come and the ushers prepare to serve communion and how appropriate that as we talk about uncluttering relationships that we partake in communion together. The worship team will, will lead us in worship. The ushers will serve us. I want to go, I encourage you to go ahead and, and uh, when you have your communion elements, you can, partake, you can partake of communion when you're ready during the response song. We're not going to do it corporately together. But as a team comes, let me just, let me just tell quickly the, the, the rest of the story about Lee and Chris. They met Christ. And even though they met Christ, their relationship right away didn't change. They were very, very living two very separate lives. But God began to deal with them individually about beginning to respond to the, to the other like Christ. They started acting Christ-like toward one another. And over a period of time, God began to bring healing to that relationship. Restoration to that marriage and that relationship. To the point where love was restored. Affection was restored. 
tender care and love for one another was restored. And I'm so grateful today that Lee and Chris, Gordon Leo Eliff, and Marie Christine Eliff, my father and my mother, I'm so grateful today that they stuck it out with Jesus Christ and they uncluttered their relationship and obeyed Jesus Christ. I'm grateful today.